Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. I learned to trust myself. So I'm not testing if it's funny when I talk to the crowd because I, I believe, I'm confident that I know what's funny. And, and confidence is part of it. If you deliver it confidently, then the crowd gets it. I always say like when people talk about certain words, certain topics, like, ooh, you can't talk about that. And, uh, and I don't know where I learned this, but it's really true. If you're afraid to say it, they're afraid to hear it. Welcome back to the Hot Breath Podcast, Hot Breath Averse. I am comedian Joel Byers. This is the show where you learn comedy from the pros. And you know what time it is. Hot Breath. That's right, Hot Brethren and Sistern. We are back with another Hot Breath episode. And today is a live Q&A with a comic you may have just recently heard on Joe Rogan, but you heard him first on Hot Breath Podcast, a comedy legend in this game. This was actually a Q&A we did in our private Facebook group. So if you're not a member of that Facebook group yet, go into the show notes and click the link that says join our Facebook group. We have over 600 members from around the world. We're doing weekly Q&As with there. If you're listening the week of this release, we're having Emma Wilman, Jesse David Fox, the host of Good One Podcast, and Ron Funches. Next week, we have Ted Alexandro and more. So this is a group, if you want to learn and connect with other comedians around the world, this is the community we'd love to have you be a part of. We also do a daily writing club in there where we meet up at 10 a.m. to write for 10 minutes, and that's actually grown into a comedy class so many people have been asking me writing questions. I decided to, after 10 years of comedy, release an online comedy class to give you all my favorite tips and techniques to help you improve and develop your own material a lot faster. And it, this whole show is about helping comedians get better at comedy through this community. So anything we can do to help, that is the whole mission of this show. And the mission of today's episode is for you to get intimate access to one of the most well-respected and funniest comics working today. So buckle up. This is going to be a doozy. So many good pieces of advice in this. So prepare yourselves. Take notes. Share this with other comics. We'll see you in that Facebook group. As there is only one thing left to do. And that is inhale a hot breath. With Hot Alonzo, welcome back, Bowden. Hot Breath Live. This is comedians on Skype talking comedy. If you are watching this on YouTube, just know that all of the questions are being asked in our Facebook group. So if you'd like to join the Hot Breath Comedy Network Facebook group, just click the link in the description, and you will be connecting with comedians like today's guest. So without further ado, please welcome to the show the one and only Alonzo Bowden, everyone. Give it up for Alonzo Bowden. <laughs> Hello, Joel. How are you? I am 
Splendid I'm, and thrilled to have you. Good. I'm going to assume that I got some kind of virtual applause on that intro. So yes, I'll thank yeah. You for that. It, uh, we have sound yeah. effects. They don't come through Skype, but they do come <laughs> through the group. So there was an applause sound effect for you. We'll do an air horn as well. Just to turn no, up. Don't do an air horn. <laughs> now you're turning into the morning zoo radio show. Oh, right. <laughs> I miss doing those. I miss morning radio. You miss? I hear most comics talk about just how terrible and crazy it was. It was, but you know, uh, back in the day, which I kind of missed, but it was oh. it was huge in the eighties, and but even in the nineties, that was the best way to sell tickets. You know, it's mm. still a great way to sell tickets. The problem is you don't have as many big name local DJs as you used to. But when they used to be like like a big name local DJ and you got on his show Thursday or Friday morning, mainly Thursday morning, mm -hmm. you could sell out your weekend. Off one interview. Like, oh, he's in town? Yeah. Oh, yeah, geez. That used to, uh, but now those days are gone. It's all like, yeah, social media and you kind of, at this point, it's weird. It's almost like the comedian has to bring the following to the comedy clubs instead of the other way around now. I'd say it's 95% that, you know, mm -hmm. and in talking to you, like we were joking about you being the younger one now and stuff. But one of the tips I give all new comics who ask me is your marketing is up to you. And it's mm -hmm. something I didn't learn. I didn't learn. I finally have a good social media person and she's really working on stepping up my posts and videos and this and that. But now, yeah, they, they expect comics 100% to do all their own marketing. You know, um, some of the clubs that have been around a long time will have a good relationship with local radio or morning TV, but they expect the comic to do it. And it's funny, you said you have a social media like person because Nate Bargatze was on here and he had the exact same. He, it's like almost an extension of your job now. He outsourced his social media to a company that now kind of makes that almost his billboard for getting people to shows. Yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, the thing about it is there's no setup for it. There's no set way to do it. Mm -hmm. So I've had a couple of people who say, Oh, I do social media and they've been shitty or half ass. You know, this person now I have now is great and it's very professional, but like many things in our business <laughs> manager, publicists, mm -hmm. social media, whatever, there's no, you don't go to college to do it. There's no rating of it. Anyone can say that they do it. You don't find out if they're good or not, unless you have a friend or, you know, someone, you know, who work with them or you try them yourself. So you, you learn different things. I remember, um, when I started, you know, cause everybody wants to be a manager. I'm a manager. I'm a manager. And Jamie Masada, who runs the Laugh Factory, he told me, if someone wants to manage you, have them call NBC. Because if NBC won't take their call, then you might as well be calling yourself, Ooh. right? Because the point being that networks and stuff, they talk to professionals. And if, you, if, if your person doesn't know who to call at NBC or, you know, today at Netflix or Amazon or, or whatever, you know, then yeah, you might as well be doing it yourself. You need, you know, so 
when someone claims to be something that that's not necessarily true. I have found a big red flag with that is if someone is leading with, I know so-and-so and so-and-so, or I'm connected with this and that, I feel like if they lead with that, in my experience, it's always been a dead-end street. Yeah, because then they're trying to, to, to validate themselves. Mm-hmm. Another thing is simply, do they pay for lunch? <laughs> if they don't pay, if they want to meet with you, seriously, yeah, if I mean, they want to meet yeah. with you and they don't pay, then that's a bullshit person. That's a bullshit operation. Mm-hmm. They, if they, you know, so now it's different levels, right? Again, I don't know what level you are in the comedy game because when I, you know, when I started out, you know, you, you're doing it yourself. And then there was one point where my manager, and I use that in quotes, we're still <laughs> friends and she's great, but the reason I signed with her, I wouldn't even call her manager, my booking agent, my agent, whatever. She had connections with the other club owners. Like when you're on the feature level, right? You have a lot of club owners in the Midwest, in the South or whatever, and they call themselves an agent. I'm your manager now. And what that means is they book a bunch of clubs. They know other people who book clubs and they'll trade spots. They're like, oh, I'll let my guy, you know, um, if you put my guy up, in Spokane and and Seattle and Billings, Montana, then I'll put your guy up in, you know, Idaho, Iowa and whatever. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that's what works on that level. But they're they're working below the TV level, if that makes sense, below the major level. But then as a comic, when you move up, when you start getting involved in the majors, and this is what happened with me, when I um moved up and started doing late night TV and some Hollywood stuff. Then I told her, I said, look, I got to get an LA person. I got to get someone connected in this world. And she understood. She was like, yeah, you do. Cause, cause she, you know, she was based, I think she was based somewhere in Washington or whatever, whatever it was, she wasn't based in LA or New York. So she wasn't connected in that level. Just like if you sign with a big agency and I had this happen, I was with William Morris when I was, had nothing going on. Hmm. And William Morris couldn't do a thing because they don't develop and sell you the way they used to. Like we were talking about, they want you to be it. So, yeah, and that's different levels, different people. We just we had um, Tamara Goins, the head of comedy, innovative artists. And her whole thing was like, don't have a manager until you have something to manage. You know, it's like you got to bring something to the table pretty much. Yeah, I know Tam. I used to be with uh, Innovative. Oh, snap. Oh, yeah. You've been, well, you've been doing comedy almost 30 years, so you've probably maybe been a little bit everywhere. 27 years, man. That's so cool. Yep. And an old uh, John Reap was actually on here, and he wanted me to say hello to you because you were the judge when he was on Last Comics. Yeah, man. And uh, we're yeah, having we were John Heffron for Wednesday. years when he lived in L.A. We lived... I'm sorry. Really? We're, we're having a de- hold on. Me we're having Hef a delay. Just did a, a, a thing online together. For... Can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry. Oh. We're um. No, we're, I was saying me and Hef. Oh, Hef and I just did something together on um for Helium Comedy Clubs. They're doing Q and As to raise money for their staff and employees. And Reap and I used to be neighbors, and it was huh. funny because. We lived in a complex that was so big. There were over 300 units. 
we would never see each other around the building. We'd only see each other at the airport. <laughs> like, you still live there? Yeah, you live there too? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And speaking of, we're about to get into the questions here. Speaking of a Q&A, this is a live Q&A. But I have to selfishly ask first, because this is a comedy advice show. And I know when you were the doorman at Laugh Factory, you would get a lot of advice from comics like Dom Herrera and George Wallace. And I have to ask, like, what is some of your favorite or most helpful advice you've gotten from them or other comics of their caliber? Well, I'll tell you, it wasn't as much advice back then as watching them work. Mm. You know, there's times when you just shut up and watch. But what I, I'll tell you what I learned from George. George always has a pad with him. You will never see George without the yellow pad. And the lesson was always be writing always or be ready to write. Something funny happens. You think of something. You see something. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. That's what I got from George Wallace, um, from Dom, it, it, Dom stays in the moment. Dom would always open in the moment. I always like that. Uh, say something about what he sees in the crowd or what just happened, but, but it was more just watching him, his comfort on stage, his personality. I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember a thing I got from Dom. I was doing my set and I was sitting on the stool and he just looked at me What? Can't stand for 20 minutes, tired. <laughs> and it was like, okay, Dom, I see. I got to put a little energy into this. Um, a great piece of advice I got from George Lopez back then. Rodney was in. Rodney Dangerfield was in. And he used to drop in the factory and do time or whatever, which was amazing, you know. But anyway, this woman went on after Rodney. And she was talking about Rodney. Like, oh, Rodney this, Rodney that, right? And George said... When a star shows up, never mention them. Crowd knows who they are. You got to be who you, you got to bring your, you know, you got to bring it yourself. You got to show them who you are. So, so there's no sense telling the crowd that they just saw Rodney Dangerfield. They know, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, uh, and, I, and I had a thing happen with that sometime later, um, where they had a thing called, uh, it was Chocolate Sundays, which is uh, like a black comedy show on Sunday night. Yeah, I've done that. And yeah. they had, we yeah, of course, mm -hmm. we had um, Chris Rock and Chris Tucker did the show that night, and then I had to go up at like midnight, twelve thirty. So when you follow <laughs> both of them, you know, and and it was funny because both of them talked about their families and their, you know, family asking for money and this and that. And I just went up and said to the crowd, man, if I ever make $10 million and I complain about my family asking for money, you feel free to whip my ass. And the crowd <laughs> cracked up on that one. But yeah, so, so though, that was some of the advice I got that, that I remembered, you know? Yeah. So even speaking of, your style and your writing, I'd love to get in that a little bit, especially since you being more topical driven and it can be tough and there can be a lot of parallel thinking, especially in topics that are more topical and current. How are you able to create topical material that's unique to you? Well, some things, if you're going to be top, if you're going to do topical, some things you just do, um, 
right away because the shelf life is going to be short. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the entire Trump presidency is that because any stupid thing he says, he's going to say something else a day or two later. So you don't have time to polish those jokes. If it comes up, you just throw it out there. Um, when it comes to other things, what I look for, I try to, I try to look for a point of view I haven't heard someone else talk about. Mm. That's what I, I, and you can't always do that. I mean, there is parallel thought and there's so many people out there that it, it's almost, I wouldn't say impossible. It's not impossible because you develop your own voice. But when you're doing topical, it's you, you have to understand there isn't time to polish every joke because some things are going to come and go. And then other things are evergreen and you just really get into what you think about it. So if I'm talking about an evergreen topic or more or less evergreen topic like um, racism or Me Too or guns, school shooting, something like that, then I get into my thoughts and my view on it and um, and go with that. You know, uh, there are certain comics that I can't watch too much because I'll start doing them. Mm -hmm. Um Lewis Black is one. If I watch Lou too much, because I love Lou, he's a friend and, and I'm a huge fan. But if I watch Lou too much, I'll start doing a Lewis Black type rant, you know, and, and I don't want to do that because that's his. Um, there was a period where I was running into a lot of and this was. I, I kind of started really getting into social commentary after last comic standing, mm -hmm. but there was a period, let's say in the mid two thousands that I found myself have early mid two thousands, having a lot of parallel thought with Chris rock. And what I thought about that was, damn, I must be on the right track. If I'm having the same idea as him, I'm doing something right. You know? So, but, but the other thing is, and this goes back um, to Robin Williams. I don't know if you heard those stories, but yes, when someone when someone famous or big name does it on TV or something, then you got to let it go because no one's going to believe you thought of it. But that's okay because you'll think of something else. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and argue that I thought of a joke the same as Chris Rock or I thought of it before he did or that. There's no sense having that argument. So I'll just do something else. Just keep writing at the end of the day. You know, yeah, especially if you're topical, you know, and the, the yeah. other thing is <clears throat> jokes lead to jokes. You know mm. what I mean? So when you're right, if you're writing something and you're working on this idea, then you're like, Oh, well, what about this? Well, that's now that's another idea. And then, and this is the part we lose now because there's really nowhere to perform you'll do it on stage and people will laugh at something you didn't realize they were going to laugh at. So, so you were aiming this way for the joke and they laughed at something over here. Now, when you're new, you get mad and you want to make your joke work. But once you learn some shit, then you're like, Oh, shut up. Let them laugh at that. Let's see what's over there. You know? So it, it happens different ways. And when you're thinking of topical material, um, what is your process in terms of like, do you hear something and your sense of humor is almost like a spidey sense to where like that topic is worth exploring versus that topic isn't really worth exploring? Like, how do you put it through the filter of like, what's going to be worth the time to write material about? No, I go, it, it's what makes me laugh. Oh, um, just I'm a news junkie. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, 
I, I, well, you got to trust yourself, right? Because as a comic, remember when you go on stage, what you're doing is you're showing the crowd, the world through your eyes, mm. right? That that's what the funny is. You get them to see it through something they look at every day. Suddenly you say it and they're like, Oh, I never thought of that. And it's funny. Like that's the underlying process, right? So if it makes me laugh, then I go with it. Now, as I was saying, I'm a news junkie. So I read a lot of news. I read different news sources, different stories and things come up. And um, over time, and, and again, this is why comedy takes time to get good at, I learn to trust myself. So I'm not testing if it's funny when I talk to the crowd because I, I believe, I'm confident that I know what's funny. And, and confidence is part of it. If you deliver it confidently, then the crowd gets it. I always say, like, when people talk about certain words, certain topics, like, ooh, you can't talk about that. And uh, and I don't know where I learned this, but it's really true. If you're afraid to say it, they're afraid to hear it. Ooh. Ooh. That just gave me so, goosebumps As right long as there. you're not afraid to say it. As long as you're not afraid to say it, it's okay. But if you're worried, can, can I say this? Like, no, then they can't hear it. So that's when you come to jokes about topics that the crowd may not be ready for, you know? Dude, I have interviewed over 200 comedians. That is one of my favorite quotes. If you're afraid to say it, they're afraid to hear it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's a mic drop. All right. I'll tell you where that comes up. That comes up now politically right because people will say to me oh do you do that joke in the south would you do that joke in a red state and i'm like hell yeah i don't give a shit mm -hmm. so they're gonna you know and and the other thing is the really hardcore conservatives never come to comedy shows because they have no sense of humor but um <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah i'll say it because it's it's you know what am i going to change my act every city i go to so i don't hurt anybody you know it's ridiculous exactly so let's let's get into the the viewer questions here now. Oh man, that gave me the that gave me the shivers right there. That's a that's a winning quote right there. <laughs> I've never said the shivers before either. I don't know why I decided to break that one out on this Q and A. Someone just said hell yeah though. Imri says hell yeah on that. So yeah, that's a, that's gold. So. First question here from the hot breath of verse comes from Sandy. She says, how hard was it to make the transition from stand-up to acting? Did you have any acting experience before doing stand-up? I don't think I've made the transition. I never really considered myself an actor. I've, I've had some acting roles. They're pretty stereotypical as security guy, bouncer, etc. because I'm a big guy. Mm -hmm. I did take some acting classes, and I actually had a great acting coach. Um, but what happened was my stand-up career started taking off. You know, I, I uh, did Last Comic and, and, you know, I started doing a late night. And, and she even said to me, she said, you know, your thing is stand-up. Like, that's your love. That's your passion. So go do that. Um, in retrospect, maybe I could have stayed in acting classes and become a, a better actor. Some comics are great actors. Uh Craig Robinson and I joke about it because mm -hmm. Craig and I, we had the same agent and we would go on the same auditions and this and that. And, and it was kind of like, 
he became this actor and great and and he's a great actor he's really funny and i became a stand-up and i started doing well in stand-up and one day we were out somewhere and our agent said man i got a stand-up who wants to act and i got an actor who wants to do stand-up you know so uh thank thank you whoever put that in i do audition if you want to act go to acting class learn to do it it is it's a talent but it's also a skill to be learned and um and respected as such, respected as such, because when you go on auditions, you're going to be going up against professional actors who do it all the time, and you want to be good. Boom. Coming up next, oh boy, here's a winning name, Mama Bird the Comedian. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Said, how would you advise those of us still trying to keep our names in comedy what can we do from home to keep our comedy fresh alive and keep the audience remembering who we are? Uh, you got to use social media now. So we're, we're people are on Instagram doing Instagram live doing, uh, things like this, this kind of interview doing podcasts, doing, um, YouTube stuff. That's what you got to do because it, there's nowhere to get up. I mean, I'm doing a virtual comedy club, May 7th, it's called the Nowhere Comedy Club. Hmm. And it's, it's, we're going to do it through Zoom, but it's set up like a, re, like a regular comedy club. Uh, the Laugh Factory in Hollywood, they do a live stream where you get up and you perform for no audience, but they put it out on YouTube. So it looks, you're, you're actually at the club and on stage. Now, the thing about that is you'd have to be established enough to be a Laugh Factory regular to get to do that, you know? So, if you're not at that level, if you don't have a club or something like that, then you got to just do it yourself. Boom. Do it yourself. That's what we're it's what we're doing here right now. That was it's a big motivator of this was I did this show for a long time and was like, I don't want to do Skype. I want to meet the comics and I want to have that connection. And then we got quarantined and I was like, all right, I guess Skype's the new wave for this. So <laughs> I've been doing more of these. I haven't really been doing many virtual open mics and things like that. I've really been focused on like building this show up more. So till we get back on stage. All right. Next pregunta. This comes from Jacob Hoffpire. Hope I'm saying your name right. He says, any advice for beginners that tend to lean towards heavyweight topics? When to pull punches, when not? Uh, I would say don't. Uh, I would say this, though. Remember to be funny. Mm. Uh, I, have a, I have a friend, and he's a great comic, and he wasn't getting booked. And I was talking to the um, talent guy at the Just for Last Festival, and uh, we love, uh, he said, we love him, but he's too caught up in the message. He forgot the funny. Boom. So if you're, if you want to go heavyweight and, and I don't even know what that means anymore, but if you want to just remember to make it funny. And that was advice I got early on was like, a lot of people want to be like a George Carlin, but it's like, first figure out how to make the weather funny before you try to take on like the military industrial complex. It's like, just figure out how to be funny first. And then you can start to apply that to bigger, maybe less funny topics. 
Yeah, um, the, the highest compliment I've ever received in my career was being called a spawn of Carlin. Hmm. That That's as good as it's ever going to get if, you, if you're a topical or social commentary comic. But um, yeah, you got to learn to be funny first. You got to remember the funny because otherwise you're preaching. In which case you could start a mega church and make big money. Man, there's money in that. And it's all tax free. Had only I known. <laughs> You're too far in now. Almost 30 years. There's no going back now. I'm in too deep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Charles Newby asks, how, um, after COVID, how do you see comedy adapting? Uh, we don't know. We don't know. I think it will be back. Uh, I think clubs will be back. Live performance will be back. It's going to take a while. The reason there are some naysayers and doomsday people saying comedy is going to go away, it will never go away because we're the truth tellers. They will always need us because we tell the truth. And as as the news becomes worse in the sense of it becomes more of an entertainment show and an opinion show than actual information, comics will become even more important because we're the ones who don't give a shit. Like, yeah, this is what happened. Like, you know. If if Trump says, and and I just use him because he so dominates the news cycle, it's annoying. But if he says you should inject um, bleach or cleaning stuff into your body, and the next day he says, no, I was being sarcastic. You know, the, the reporters listen. The comics are like, that's bullshit. You don't even know what sarcasm is. You thought we were gonna shoot up bleach because you're an idiot. Yeah. You know, the, only a comic's gonna say that. The the news people will never say it. So, comedy ain't going nowhere. We're we're the truth tellers. It's just gonna take a while to get people out, to get people in the same room, people breathing on each other, and. Uh, but we'll be back. And while we're waiting to get back, Muhammad Osman asks, um, during these times, do you recommend comedians do the online open mics and shows like that? Why not? What else you got to do? <laughs> cool. All right. <laughs> right? Yeah. What else you got to do? It's true. Why not? Yep. I know some people who are saying the virtual shows suck and this and that and the other. <clears throat> I do them. I've done a few. Uh, it's not the same as doing it live. You don't get the same response. To me, it's more like doing radio. When you do radio, you say something funny. You don't know if people driving in the car or whatever or listening to work are laughing when you say it. So you just put it out there. But what else are you going to do? Perfect. Yeah. Are you on the, are you on the open mic level and deciding I'm too good to do this? <laughs> good luck with that. Already cutting corners. <laughs> Two years in, they're already trying to find the angle on how to outsmart the work. Right. <laughs> oh, that's a great point. All right, just a few more here, kids. Let's see. We have. Uh, I can I can give it a few more minutes. We can go. Give it a few more. I'm oh, good. We're going. We're going into <laughs> overtime with Alonzo Bowden. Yeah. Round of applause. <laughs> we hit the checkpoint. I feel like we're playing Cruise in USA right now. We hit the checkpoint. So that's very generous. Thank you, Alonzo. Uh, Wayne Flake Jr. asks, do you have any techniques when writing? Um, well, I, I can write quicker now just because I've been doing it a long time. So initially... What I learned was write out the whole story 
write out the whole idea, then start removing what isn't funny. Hmm. You know, for example, if the joke is about a guy crossing the street and you write, I was walking across Hollywood Boulevard on a rainy night. It's like, well, are we going to talk about Hollywood or rain? If not, I was just walking across the boulevard at night. You know what I mean? So you get to it quicker. Now I've been doing it so long that that I tend to write quicker, you know, and and the bad thing about that, though, is sometimes I'm not descriptive enough in my writing. And uh, so you find the balance you find. This is what we talk about, about your voice. You write it the way you would say it. Just like if you work as a professional writer, okay, if you're a joke writer for people, I have a friend named Suli McCullough. He writes for a ton of comics. He writes for Jamie Foxx. He writes for Anthony Anderson. He writes for uh, the Wayans Brothers, et cetera. He can write in each of their voices because he knows how Jamie delivers, how Anthony delivers, et cetera. So you develop that for your own voice. And when you say being descriptive enough, is that like you're talking about being on Hollywood Boulevard? Is it talking about details within like the weather or the people around you? What kind of de- what kind of like descriptive language are you talking well, about? Well, I'll, um, I'll give you a couple of examples. Okay, one example entirely taboo now, but if you go back and listen to Bill Cosby tell a story, if you watch himself by Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm you will see a master storyteller giving funny details, but painting an entire picture with words. And that's how to do it. Uh, Fluffy, Gabe Iglesias is very good at that because Gabe gives voices to a bunch of different things or all of his little friends in the story and stuff like that. So they, they paint a picture with the words, you know, that which is, Great. Uh, And I'm not that. They're very descriptive in their storytelling. Storytelling comics are like that and very good at doing that. Um, Then you have, again, like like me or like if you watch uh, Chappelle does it. Chappelle Chappelle and uh, Louis Black do something that I watch that that I love and I I try to do it myself. But you got to be really confident to do that. This. They will explain what they're talking about. They will take time to explain it and then make it funny. On on Chappelle's, I think one of his Netflix specials, one of the more recent ones, he did a thing about Emmett Till. And he explained who Emmett Till was and what happened. For those who don't know, Emmett Till was a 14-year-old from Chicago, went to visit family in Mississippi. Uh, Because he was from Chicago, he didn't know all the segregation rules, blah, blah, blah. He was accused of looking at a white woman. They beat him to death and hung him. And and it's a very heavy topic and it's a very famous picture because his mother showed his body so that the world would see this is what they did to a 14-year-old child. Well, uh, Dave told that whole story to set up what he wanted to talk about. Now, as a comic, that takes a lot of bravery and courage because you can see just how the mood changed when I just told it right now. To do that and then go into comedy about it was amazing. But that's that's the best in the world and the confidence he has to do it. You know what I mean? So um, when you talk about using words to paint a picture or set up a situation, Louis Black will talk about some 
congressman you haven't heard of passing a bill and he'll explain, oh, this congressman is from, you know, blah, 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 and this and that. And he'll make fun of the town they're from and what the fuck are they thinking and this and that. And then he'll go into his joke. You know, that takes a certain confidence because you're taking time out. You have a limited time on stage and you're taking time out to explain something to make it funny. So it, it takes time to do that, confidence to do that. Um, you And again, you'll find your style. Your style is going to be somewhere between that and between a quick setup punch kind of joke. And when we're thinking about talking in your voice on stage, uh, Charles chimed in with like, what is your favorite method of rehearsal? And do you rehearse your jokes out loud to kind of find your voice within the words? No, not anymore. Mm -hmm. Not anymore. That was a long time ago. Uh, now I, my rehearsals are on stage. You know, they, early on when you start out, uh, I tell comics, you got to memorize your, your five minutes, your six minutes, your three minutes, whatever, backwards and forward. Because when you're new and you're nervous and you get on stage, the first thing that goes is your memory. And you forget what you were going to say. And then you start stammering or whatever. But, but I mean, you know, I've been doing this for 27 years. My brain is so trained to remember. And sometimes I forget. Whenever you walk off stage, any comic walks off stage, we're thinking about the joke we forgot to tell the bit we forgot to do, mm -hmm. but you, it is just the nature of the beast. You know, you, you, so I don't rehearse. I don't rehearse as far as trying to memorize it off stage. I will write a set list and try to memorize a set list. And when I do TV, I'll definitely try to stick to the set list. And, um, yeah, but otherwise, no, I don't rehearse the rehearsal. Like if I'm doing a TV spot, the rehearsal is, the 10 comedy club spots leading up to the TV spot. Mm -hmm. All right, let's do, let's do two more here. And this, this comes from uh, Justin Williams. And he asks, uh, do you give a closer listen to your opener to gauge what set you're going to do? No, I, um, I will, sometimes I don't listen at all. If I do listen, it's only to see if we're doing any of the same topics. Um, but no, I don't, I don't definitely, I'm not going to gauge the audience based on how the opener does. Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you gauge the audience? How do you like read a crowd? I don't, I, I mean, I do it once I get on stage. I don't plan ahead because you know, people will surprise you. It will not, it won't be what you think. Right. So, so I'll be somewhere in the deep South and somebody fully agrees on an, uh, a joke about guns, where you'd expect somebody in the South to be all pro gun or whatever, you know, so you, you really, you never know who's listening, never know who's laughing, never know what they're laughing at. Uh, I'll give you a great story. So I was hired to do, um, uh, Joe, they, this woman asked me, I, I got where I knew it, but anyway, she said, would you be interested in doing a show for a sorority? And it's like, hell yeah. Right. Yeah. Bunch of women at college. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is my younger days. Uh huh. So, uh, I get to the show, I get to the show and it's this room full of old women and the sorority was they raise money for charities and they give money to charity, right? So the first comic goes up and he dies a horrible death. <laughs> I mean, just because he's trying to figure out 
what do you joke to a room full of old women about, you know? So the next comic's up and he is also just, it's just watching a sinking ship, which is always fun of as course. a comic to watch yes. somebody else. <laughs> <Of> but <course. laughs> the woman leans over to me. She, the woman leans over to me and she said, and this woman is in her sixties and she's one of the younger women at this event. <laughs> and she leans over, she says, listen, these guys are worried about what to say. She said, you know how all us women met? She said, we used to send the boys off to war, if you know what I mean. They were a bunch of dirty old women. It was <laughs> fucking hilarious. So once I knew that, then I could go, you know, and they loved it and they laughed and they had a good time. So, again, when you talk about reading the audience, the, the thing about being a comic is you got to learn to listen. Mm. Everyone thinks it's talking. It's listening. You got to learn to listen. You listen to what the crowd laughs at. You listen to what they react to. Then you know who you're talking to. But trying to just come out and read and say, this is going to be this, this is going to be that. Also, and once again, what are you going to do? Are you going to change your whole act because you think this crowd is blank? So now you're going to try to rewrite 45 minutes in your head? Like, no, that's not going to happen. So you got to do what you do. You know, uh, they, you're not going to be a different person. You know, watch Bill Burr in Philly. Okay, watch, go to YouTube, look up Bill Burr in Philly and watch how to handle a crowd that doesn't like you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that clip is famous. That clip is famous. You, you do you, as the kids say. <laughs> and how do you start to be able to listen? Like, what? When? When did you start to find yourself being able to listen as opposed to just like verbal vomit all the time? Well, it's 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 the art of conversation. Okay. The art of conversation, because in most conversations, people aren't listening; they're waiting for their turn to talk. So you you have to actively learn to listen to the words people say. In, in dealing with hecklers, a lot of times, all you have to do is say back to them what they said, and, and it's they you, the crowd laughs because they realize how stupid it was, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you have to, but it, it is it is the art of conversation, and active listening is something you learn to do. You have to focus on it. Yeah, I found with me, it's still something I'm working on, but I found the more comfortable I am with my material, the easier I can listen to the audience and how they're responding instead of being in my own head. Right, right. If you That's what I was saying about knowing your material backwards and forwards because you don't want to have to think about it on stage. you know. In, and, and in time, you can do that. Listen, I can be thinking, I can be talking and thinking seven minutes ahead about what I'm going to do or change or whatever, but... It takes time. It takes experience. I'm so excited about that. I've, I mean, I've been doing it 10 years now, but I still look at people at your level, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait. to. I, it's a lot of hard work and a lot to go, but it is like I can't wait to have like that superpower and just that almost feeling of invincibility on stage to where it's like I've done this so much, you know. Right. How long did and it take it, you, you know, to feel it's, that? It's stage time. Mm-hmm. Not only is it, well, I think it happened at different levels. It happened at different levels. Um, My first major thing was doing Just for Laughs. I was four years in. I was confident I could make people laugh, and I was 
I was lucky I was naive enough not to be afraid of the situation. Had I known more about the situation, I would have made it big in my head. I would have been more naive. Uh, when I got to Last Comic Standing, I was absolutely ready to do Last Comic Standing. George Wallace, you were talking about advice from pros. George Wallace had told me, he said, everyone gets a shot. The trick is to be ready when your shot comes. Mm. And I was ready when my shot came with uh, Last Comic. Um, you, you just, you get on stage and a guy named Danny Mora taught me this. Danny was a great old pro when I started, used to do these comedy workshops. Every time you go on stage, work on something. Every time you go on stage, you might change the word of a joke. You might change the order. I'm a big fan of changing the order of your act to keep things fresh. Um, you know, this, this guy told me that he worked with Sinbad and Sinbad would tell him like, okay, tonight do your whole act from the left side of the stage. Okay, tonight you're gonna do your whole act from the right side of the stage. Sinbad would throw a word at him and say, use that word tonight and don't, but don't use it like, hey, here's a word. He said, just use that word. And so, so every time you get on stage, you're working on something. You, you're just, you have one idea, you have something you wanna work on, but never waste the stage time. Sinbad is the guy I saw Afros on Bell Bottoms and watching that special is what made me want to do stand up. So, yeah, he's a he's a Sinbad is incredible because Sinbad, he's clean and he's funny to everybody. There's not a lot of comics that can work like a, you know, a hardcore all black Def Jam room and then go to a county fair in Iowa. Uh -huh. Sinbad can do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's been my goal i started here in atlanta so some shows it's all white some shows it's all black but i coming up i was always mindful of if it works in one room and not the other then i kill it and my goal has always been to be a little more universal like that and i guess that came from watching sinbad growing up so yeah he can he can definitely do that um th there's a few comics who can do it he's definitely one of them oh well let's get to the Final question here, because this is talking about comics. Jacob, big money. The final question. Oh, we got drum roll sound effect, actually. Final question comes from Jacob. Who are some of your favorite comics to watch currently? Man, there are so many. Um, like I said before, I think Chappelle... I think Dave far and away is the best there is right now. And one of the best of all time, Dave has attained Mount Rushmore status. So I love watching him work. Um, Roy Wood Jr. Mm. Love watch, watching Roy. Roy is uh, brilliant and funny. Roy is like friendly and funny. It, it's hard to explain, but I, but I like watching Roy. Uh, man, it, this list goes on and on. Jessica Kirsten out of New York. She's out of her mind. Yes. <laughs> she makes me laugh. Every time I see her, I just laugh. Um, like I, I said earlier, Lewis Black, George Wallace is still the master. It's like just watching, watching one of the old masters of the art. Um, there's a lot of younger comics. I don't remember them all. You know, I don't remember all the names. I just see them and they, so, so I'm not, I'm not disrespecting 
younger comics. It's just these are my peers that I know and I watch. But there's there's so many funny people out there who are doing this. Um, I like watching Dalia's energy. Mm-hmm. Dalia's energy makes me laugh. Uh, Joey D. It, Joey's Joey Diaz is you know. Uh, Rogan says this all the time. He says he's the funniest human being I've ever seen. And and what what that means to me, like Joey doesn't have to have an act when Joey goes up there. He just starts talking and no filter, zero filter, zero fucks given. He just talks. And and I love watching him for that. Um, I've always loved Gabe Iglesias. I saw him when he started. He's always been the funniest 10 year old kid I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> a little giggle, you know? Yeah. Um, that, that makes him so funny. Kathleen Madigan. I love Kathleen. She can make me laugh all the time. You know, this thing about women not being funny is the most ridiculous thing that, that I've ever heard. There are so many brilliantly funny women out there. So there, there's a lot of comics I can watch that make me laugh. Um, I really like, you know, what I really like, I really like comics that do something different than what I do, mm. you know? So, so yeah. So I like watching comics who do things different, whether they be, you know, from outer space, like Harlan Williams, we don't know what planet he came from, <laughs> but we're glad he decided to visit this one. You know? yeah. Or it could be one of the great storytellers or whatever. The comics that do something different than me. I like watching Tom Papa. Hope, man, you talk about, now you want to talk about confidence and class. Tom Papa did his whole Netflix one hour without taking a step. <laughs> he just, he just stood at the microphone and delivered the whole show. That it, it's, yeah, yeah. I didn't Papa's even notice that. Yeah, you're right. Yes. Yeah, he it, was just standing yeah, there. Yeah, just, just stood there, just stood there and delivered the whole thing. Now you want to talk about a wordsmith? You want to talk about yes. a word? Try that. Try doing that one night. Try to not move. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely. You know, we're trying um, to get him on the show here. So like. again, we, we, yeah, Papa's just amazing, mm-hmm. and and his energy is so beautiful because he doesn't overpower you. He talks, and you come to him. You know, so takes confidence. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're, one of the greats. Uh, we're 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 on his radar. He hasn't said he'll do the show. He just <laughs> <laughs> use my name. I guarantee he won't do it if oh, he knows I did. Oh man, he, I was going to find s- me. He's a, he's a much bigger name, and he can't be bothered with the things I do. <laughs> hey, th- well, I did hear you say being on podcasts is like doing jury duty, but um. We appreciate you taking the time to do this. It's for fellow comics, you know. So we appreciate you giving back to yeah, the culture listen, here. I, listen, I love, I love new comics who respect the art. If you respect the art, I'll respect you. If you just want to go up there and yell and talk, talk shit with no nothing in mind, and you just want to make a lot of noise, then go somewhere else. But if you respect the art, then we respect you and love to help. Well, do you have any um, helpful advice you want to close with for comics uh, out there? Keep writing. Keep writing. Okay. Right now, because the because we're all 
locked in and limited, just keep writing. Just keep writing. And and when we get back out, you'll get to test it and see which of it works and which of it doesn't. But uh, yeah, if something strikes you as funny, write it down. And that's all you can do right now. That's all you can do right now. Oh, and you know what else I would, the other advice I would give, and this is something I didn't really do, but I, but I think, uh, find a crew, find a few other comics, talk with each other, write with each other, bitch about shit with each other, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there are some people who have done great with this, like Amy Schumer. So when Amy made it, she brought up people cause, she, cause they were in her crew. Uh, mm-hmm. Tiffany Haddish has helped a lot of people because they were in her crew. So when you do that, you move up together and then one gets an opportunity and hopefully they open up that opportunity to some of their others and stuff like that. You know, you can, yeah, working with a group helps. So I would say, uh, do that. All right. It takes a while and it's going to sound funny from a guy who's done a ton of competitions and basically built a name doing them, but this is not a competitive sport, but you have to do it long enough to figure that out. Well, Alonzo Bowden, we have we have our gone into overtime. We appreciate you for being willing to do this. Please just let people know where they can support you and follow you and listen to everything you have going on. Zofunny, Z-O-F-U-N-N-Y on Instagram. Everything else is at Alonzo Bowden, uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, please check out, please check out. And it's on my Facebook page. It's on my Instagram um, the Nowhere Comedy Club. That special is going to be on May 7th. I'm doing it with a guy named Mal Hall, who's a brilliant guy who features for me a lot. And yeah, please check that out. Tickets are 10 bucks. Money's going to go to me and to Mal and a donation made to uh, young up-and-coming comics who lost all their opening and feature spots with this. Listen, we know that you guys have lost much needed money. And those of us who have been lucky enough to make a little money, have a little money in the bank, like Laughter Heels did a thing. And we're, we're all trying to help. So um, so I'm, I'm a big proponent of helping that. So well, we'll be yeah, sure Nowhere Comedy Club, May 7th. Yeah, May 7th. We'll, uh, and it's on your Facebook page, you said? Um, Facebook, it's on everything. Perfect. And it'll, I'll keep posting it, but yeah. I'll be sure to share It's Nowhere Comedy Club on May 7th. Instagram, Facebook, everything. All right. Yeah, we'll be sure to support that. Uh, thank you to everyone tuning in. Thank you to Alonzo Bowden for being on Hot Breath Live here. All right. Say hello to Heffron for me. I definitely will. We're talking to him Wednesday, so I definitely will. All right. Thanks, Alonzo. Right, take care, man. You too. Well, there you go, Hot Breath of Verse. Alonzo Bowden did not disappoint. My favorite quote was, if you're afraid to say it, They're afraid to hear it. I would love to hear what your favorite quote was. Definitely tag me on all social media. Reach out to me with any guests you would like to hear on here. Most importantly, reach out to Alonzo. Reach out to him on Twitter, on Instagram. Let him know his time on Hot Breath was not wasted, and he really did help a lot of comics. That helps us also get more comics because he'll be more likely to refer the show to some of his comedian friends. So definitely reach out to him on social media. You can stay in touch with me and all other listeners from around the world in our Facebook group, the Hot Breath Comedy Network. It's linked in the show notes. Come on over. Hang out. We're talking comedy tips. We're also doing these live Q&As every single week. So get involved, and it definitely will help to 
if anything, pass the time in this crazy time we're all living in. I hope you're staying safe and smart out there. We're going to get out of here. So welcome, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the Hot Breath Podcast. You found it. You are in the right place. I'm so excited, and we are so excited to have you here. I hope to hear from you in that Facebook group and on social media. It is at Hot Breath Pod and at Joel Byers Comedy. And we do these every single Monday. So until next Monday. Oh, and that John Heffron. The audio isn't up yet, but it is, a, it is on our YouTube page. And it is uh, in that Facebook group as well. So that's another winner. They're all winners. I mean, it, what what's happening here at Hot Breath? Thank you so much to those of you that listen. If you're listening in this outro this far into it, then you really are a loyal member of the Hot Breathiverse, and I cannot thank you enough for what we are building here together. It, it's amazing, and I think it's it's really going to make a difference in a lot of comedians, including mine, career, and I'm hoping yours as well. So the whole mission of this show is just to help comedians get better at comedy faster. That's it. So until next Monday, I have to thank my wife at the end of these. I always thank her. Thank you to my wife. She made the theme song for this podcast. And I will see you next Monday right here on Hot Breath. <sighs> <sighs>This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.